This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 91 of Is This Real Life? I'm very excited for this week's guest, Moni Marcus from the Mixing with Moni podcast. And afterwards, I will give my thoughts on the Summer House finale and Summer House reunion. But Moni and I talk about Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of New York, and a little bit on Vanderpump Rules and why she stopped watching. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. You could also follow my personal social media at Mandy Slutsker. Hope everyone is still staying safe and healthy and keep watching Bravo. Hi, everyone. I am here with Moni Marcus from the Mixing with Moni podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, eight weeks total in uh, in self-isolation. I'm about to say, I'm, I'm hanging in there as best I can. I don't think I've really done anything or left the house to do anything beyond pick up food or go grocery shopping since early March. Yeah. it's like wow it's really been two months yeah it's really been a long time and I'm just trying to figure out how I keep going because I have for me yes of course I also want to be outside and having fun with everyone else but then at the same time I'm like really not ready I'm just like I'm not in a place where I trust anyone else or myself enough and I'm okay with being in I have not broken down completely yet so I think we're I'm, I'm good to go as long as I'm healthy I'm happy I'm not complaining it's fine well I'm inside I have a lot of tv to watch and a lot of work to do it's okay a lot of tv to watch that's for sure mm-hmm. so let's get into the real housewives of Beverly Hills who after this many episodes I feel like we're back like we have a season we have a season I think we do too. Like I know this is not the best of analogies, but it feels like all the suffering and pain and abuse of a terrible season last year 
that we had to suffer through. This feels like the roses of an apology. Like it doesn't excuse the behavior. And I still really want to check in and be like, where was this energy last year? But at the same time, I'm really into it. I'm accepting the apology and I'm having a really good time again. Me too. I, I don't know. I, where I didn't love these women last year and now I'm like really enjoying them. I find everything interesting and I love the looks that they're giving us. And, you know, my favorite thing about Beverly Hills is being able to watch, like, see their houses and their backyards and the pool and the sunshine. You know, when you live in, on the East Coast, it's not as, you know, sunny as California. So for me, yeah. this is like aspirational living. That's what I want to see. Yes. And like, you know, we don't typically, um, especially for where we are, there's not a lot of emphasis on space. Like that's not a big thing here in the DC area. Like you have to go far out into like Maryland and even farther out into Virginia to even get like a really good backyard. And like when it's that there's space to have a compound. And I feel like Kyle's home is like a compound. It's amazing. I love looking at her house and her backyard and her dogs and her husband. <laughs> he's my favorite. I freaking love Mauricio. I, I mean, love I that Mauricio like, has just given us like um, a, a really hard pill to swallow because we keep accepting that pretty people on the sh- like pretty men can talk and then we get to someone like Aaron Denise's husband and we let the pretty ones talk because we've let, we've let Mauricio talk and then they talk and we're like oh no not you, you. forgot not all not cute ones are cre- aren't created <laughs> equal yet not you <laughs> Oh my God. I actually got some hate uh, on Instagram for the first time uh, last week when I guess someone didn't like that I had put down Aaron's work in the podcast. Um, Oh, wow. Really? That's interesting. I let everyone else do it for me. So I'm like, you know, everybody else has been on. I have one person like comment, you know, I got totally what he was saying. He's not a nut. And I feel bad for Denise and someone. And I just responded, don't worry, she's protected. Because that's what he said. And I thought it was funny. Um, but everyone else, I let them, you know, you know, annihilate her. I'm so sorry to this girl. Like, it's not me. I just report what I see. And what I see was that they really wanted to give him the nut edit. And he got the nut edit. <laughs> I mean, I think he's a nut. I called it the week before. I was like, something is off with him. He's pushing things that are not proven to work for certain medical ailments. And that's fine if you want to like use it in addition to whatever is recommended by a medical doctor. But if you're saying that you have answers and no one else has answers, like, are you then letting all of these people die from cancer? You have the answer. And somehow the National Institute of like Cancer Research has not figured it out. Right. And, and, and honestly, like, right. And then like, why wouldn't you want to, would you not want to lend your services to, if you have these answers, lend them to people, you know, who can help. And I'm not even just talking about like big pharma. I mean, like you could go, there's a lot of other grassroots causes and stuff that are looking for this that are not trying to just, you know, sell a cure or sell a symptom or something like that. And I'm like, 
Sir, I have been, and I, I kind of was on the Lisa Rinna plane. I spend a lot of time in the holistic wellness space. I've used it to treat a lot of mental um, health issues. Like, I'm basically a Shannon Bedore, okay? And and I was even confused. And I was trying. And I was like, okay, all right, say more words. I don't know what you're talking about. But he also didn't explain. He didn't say anything. That's the thing. Right. And I was like, explain. what? That's where it comes off a little kooky, like a little bit scammy meets, uh, like, you know, nutcase is that you're not saying anything about what you do. You're just saying words that are kind of like triggers, like that, you know, are going to get a wow factor. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody was looking at him like, wait, what? Right. I just get frustrated when people are like, everything you've ever been taught about how disease works in the body is wrong. I'm like, that's okay. not true. Like, could you It's please? also not true because you're allowed <laughs> to go find out yourself. Like, that's the thing. Like, I have friends who have gone to medical school. I have friends who go to, like, chiropractic school. And one is a much more alternative way of looking at science. And literally both of them take some of the same classes because science is still science. And you're allowed to exactly. explore it on your own. Right. You can look at the data yourself if you want. Like. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I would love to hear your thoughts on Sutton, because this episode starts out with Sutton, Erica and Kyle getting up at 5 a.m. to go to Teddy's all in retreat. And poor Sutton actually Mm -mm. cries before going Mm -hmm. in because she's so anxious about seeing Teddy after they had their sort of altercation. First of all, relatable. I have literally been in a position where I've cried because I was so anxious. I was doing an internship for a law firm and I, he would not let me leave because he was one of the unfortunate kinds of lawyer stereotypes where their egos can be really inflated. Like this is not all lawyers, but he fit the mold. He was like so inflated that he's like, he made your presence feel mandatory while he was there and that's kind of what Teddy did though she was telling everyone that no one had to come and I kind of felt Sutton's pain I'm like I literally cried one night because I was like I am still at the office and I just want to go home so bad and I don't know how to say I have to go home but Teddy made this big deal out of attendance and you know I'm sure we'll get to it but like I was one of the people who was like Sutton had a point when she said if you want me there say that but don't, if I'm coming don't tell me you don't care if anyone else comes because I'm coming so my, my my time is precious too and don't say you don't care if people come if you're going to literally print out names and put them on yoga mats and spend the money to like have these specially made things that then you care and say that and that's okay I 100% agree with you and I did enjoy seeing this sort of softer side of Sutton and it was interesting to see Kyle try and comfort her because um, we haven't really seen Kyle do that in that way to a Mm -hmm. new person who's kind of someone she doesn't know she's usually Uh, a little bit more kind of standoffish I think it's because she sees that Sutton is an energy that she needs to be around she needs to kind of align with that's kind of one of Kyle's things and I'm not I don't dislike Kyle I'm I'm not her biggest fan I find her to be much more of a beta energy though she tries to be like an alpha energy and Sutton is one of those people that could kind of if she aligns with Sutton, it kind of makes it seem like they're on the same plane. Very wealthy, you know, have good life and all of those things and pretty safe bets. And Sutton, 
I, I liked her from the beginning. I think that she knows what she's doing and she knows the job she signed up for. And I don't really understand people say things like, oh, well, this person's so mean. I'm want to ask, you know, very politely, what show are you watching? Like, that's know, the right? point. This is not PBS Kids. This is yeah. Housewives. Like, this is their job. So I don't even find Seton to be that mean or haven't said anything. But I agree. I like her giving us a different side of her being anxious because I don't think she's trying to be mean. I don't think she intended Teddy's reaction last week. Right. It was so funny, though, to see them do that boxing class. And Sutton is just (laughs) not, she's not like the other women. She's not into working out and, you know, putting all this glam on to work out. Like, she looked like she got up at 5 a.m., you know? And I appreciated that. I liked that for her. Wouldn't be me. (laughs) Would not be me. Um, And then pretty much the entire drama of the episode is the fact that Dorit shows up during lunch after all the other women have shown up. And, you know, there's this sort of pissing match between Dorit and Kyle over who gave up more time to be at Teddy's event, which was one of the dumbest arguments. It's one of those things that, like, wouldn't even be shown on Real Housewives of New York because it wasn't enough of a plot. Right. I think I made the point on my podcast, like, the we are all praising, you know, going 50 on the highway with Beverly Hills. And not to compare because they're both, being, they're both giving us great seasons. But with 50 on the highway, it seems fast on Beverly Hills. 100 on the highway seems slow for New York. Like, literally, we right. went through, we spent three episodes talking and doing Kyle's fashion show in New York. We went through three fashion shows in 30 minutes at Brony. Yeah, Brownie is just a totally other speed, you know. It's but crazy. They it was the kind of, of light. bizarre, though, to watch Kyle go after Dorit. Like, why was she so triggered by it? I mean, I think, and I saw someone say on Twitter that, 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 that made a really good point. It's like they needed Dorit to get rid of LVP last year, but they never stopped feeling the feelings they had about Dorit from the year before. So it seemed like they had this unified front kind of last season. But now that LVP is gone, I mean, the problem is people think that these housewives are not as calculated as they kind of have to be simply to produce a season. And I don't think that they changed their minds about Dorit. I think that Kyle and Dorit have always had a really weird dynamic. Dorit's had a really weird dynamic with almost everyone on the show. It's just something we don't really think about. If you, you know what I mean? Like she's had a problem with Camille and Erica and Kyle and LVP. It's almost like you don't really understand why they all even went, like what she, who she really fits in with. So for Kyle to say, you know, to pick so, be so nitpicky about her outfit and her coming and calling her Barbie and everything. I was just like, show us your jealous much like i don't right. understand it was so weird what the point was it was so persnickety it's if, if like hey you all get glam for filming that's kind of the point like you all look too good going to happy hour like better than most people because you'll be on camera so so what if three did too I mean, and it was so funny when Erica just goes, why don't we just admit that nobody wants to be here <laughs> hello Erica, this season is giving me 
everything. I, I love, love her this season. I was done with her last season. She completely shut down, I think, with LVP. She didn't want to show any part of her life and be vulnerable to LVP, kind of using it against her. And she was just so sick of everything. But now I feel like she's back and she's really showing us who she is. And I love that. She's tried twice. We've already seen her husband. You know, she's been a mediator and been a, like in the pot, but she's also stayed out of a lot of drama and kind of just like let everybody else fight each other. And I'm here for it. I like this Erica. I have a weird fantasy in my mind of her, Garcelle, and Denise being like this trio that just takes over the energy on Beverly Hills. And I, I kind of want to see that happen. Me too. And... Well, speaking of Denise, so she shows up um, for dinner at this retreat. And, you know, no one gave her a hard time. Yeah, no one gave her a hard time. Like, they all know she's, like, super important, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> it's just the whole thing was crazy. And she, you know, asked the ladies if they've had a good time. Meanwhile, the ladies, like, didn't participate in any of the events besides the boxing that morning. Like, they didn't do the mindful meditation. They snacked all afternoon. They, like, didn't even really want to eat dinner. It's like, why are you going there to stay in a hotel room when it's only a day-long retreat? Uh, my theory is that production was like, if you guys do go, uh, A, it means that Teddy gets to have it filmed. You only are guaranteed uh, filming like, or that your, sh- your event is going to air depending on the amount of attendance of the other housewives. If there's not a lot of them, you're guaranteed to be like a black and white feature later. Like, you know, that is just like a brief memory of something that happened and not really get a full segment. But I also feel like... Th- any of the, if they participated in any of the things, I don't think we would have had a lot of of the of it on the show, and they would have spent all this money and time there. But no one wants to watch watch them meditate. I'm sorry, and this kind of just aids to Sutton's point of Teddy being boring. Like I get this is your business, but this is not what makes a show. Like, we're not. It's not like we're going to a concert at Erica's. We're not seeing anything really exciting. I can meditate on my own time at the Calm app. It's fine. I don't need to do that while watching Housewives. Exactly. No, I totally get it. Um, They, you know, have a little bit more of a tiff, but we can get into that later. We did get some background on Rinna and Amelia, as well as Garcelle and her kids. And I actually, like, normally am kind of like, oh, these are kind of filler scenes. But I really enjoyed seeing Lisa Rinna connect with her daughter, um, who was talking about anxiety and depression and moving back from New York City to L.A. Um, And Rinna is so hilarious when her daughter was talking about transferring to USC and then Rena's like oh you know I'll put you on a rowing machine and take pictures <laughs> that, that you made me <laughs> howl because I don't know if you remember this but so many people were concerned that they would like see Kyle's name or one of the uh, Beverly Hills ladies names on uh, that list of like all the celebrities who are part of this big college scam, especially with, you know, no offense, but we don't really know Kyle's daughters well enough to know, but like they got into really good schools. One of them, I think goes to GW. Yeah. I I've had friends so, run into her. Not getting their nails I've done. Into her. Like <laughs> literally she was out and about Noel, uh, Cynthia's daughter in Atlanta was out and about while she was mm-hmm. at Howard. And I was the one who reported that she left before like it was known that she left because right. I was like, I had friends be like, girl, she is not here. And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) 
because these are not easy schools to get into. So we we assumed, sadly, that there were some strings pulled. And I find it very funny that Lisa is like in on that joke because, you know, we would not put it past them. We're glad it didn't happen, but we wouldn't put it past them for that to be the case. I mean, it is freaking Harry Hamlin. That's true. But it was just so funny to hear that joke because she made that joke probably right after it happened. You know, when they're filming, mm-hmm. that was much mm-hmm. closer to it. So now we're laughing knowing it's been like six months, but. Yeah, and it's been handled and, you know, justice has like seemingly been served or whatever. But, and it's had time to die down because before that, would, I don't know how well that would have gone over, but I know they surely would have kept it in. Definitely. And then, of course, they notice paparazzi and, and Lisa's just like, you know, waving at the paparazzi. <laughs> I love that. I love so that energy. Funny. Oh, and I saw this is like a, a throwing it back to real quick to uh, what you said uh, about Aaron being a coop. It's funny because they made it seem like they had that, that throwaway scene from last week that he and Denise were being like followed by like big pharma. And a lot of people have made the comment. Isn't it likely those are just your producers and like your camera crew, like they're following you? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's your job. You have cameras literally in your car. I don't think Big Pharma has the time and energy to have like a detailed, you know, personal investigators on Aaron for his weird. On just Aaron. (laughs) Nor would they let you be on freaking housewives. Okay. Like if you were that much of a threat to them, we would have known about you for other reasons. Okay, honey. It's just so such a conspiracy, like theory. It's just, which I love people like that. It's so much good. It's good TV. It's like, Oh baby. Okay. (laughs) We see, um, Garcelle with her boys getting pizza. I loved Absolutely they are them. so cute, those kids. I love those boys. I oh. want those kids in my class, and I am teaching elementary school ages. I want those kids. They're so sweet. Their mom is – I just love their family. I mean, I can't love Garcelle enough. I love this fit, and I was very nervous because she was so obviously tokened, you know, to be on this show. It was very apparent, and I was like, I will watch because I love Garcelle, and now I'm not even regretting it. I think she has taken control of her own employment of Bravo. And I really, really like that. Her kids are being shown in a really good light. She's being shown in a great light as a mom. I love the, the he wanted a Coke. And she was like, uh-uh, no, no Coke. And her brother was like, well, can I have some? And she's like, you better give your brother that Coke while drinking her wine. It's just the dynamic was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. I love her. She's definitely playing the long game. I feel like she's playing kind of an observer role and not really stirring the pot but adding nice commentary and at some point this season I think shit is going to go down and she's going to be involved but she's waiting oh, for I her moment. Oh I think moments. so too because her and Kyle in real like in real time are not friends. So and I and it's funny because people often that thought that she wouldn't get along or that Kyle wouldn't get along with Sutton but what would Garcelle and I it's always like the one that Kyle thinks is probably the biggest threat she tends to have a bit of an issue with and I can see her thinking of that about Garcelle because she kind of seemingly thought the same thing about Erica and I can see Garcelle and Erica have very similar energy they're naturally stars to me and they're very strong-willed women they're like but it's not abrasive but they're not trying to be the star in the room but they kind of just are and Garcelle I can tell she just doesn't stand down I mean to know that they get paid 
based on how many scenes they can be in sometimes. And the more camera time they get, like to go to Teddy's event, for instance, you know, the better their their season contract is going to look for next year. She, Garcelle still was like, I don't want to be there. She said, I don't have to go and I won't be there. And I'm like, I stand this woman. That would have been me. I love her. She is, and she is, I love her fashion. I love her humor. I, I just, I really appreciate her for this show. Mm-hmm. I'm really, yeah. good, like, I like her energy with the women. It She fits yes. in real well. You know? Better than I thought. Totally. And then we get to Denise's backyard party with wood-fired pizza, a Sunday bar, and diamond ice sculpture, which I thought was funny because you know how they used to have the logo as sort of the sunglasses, even though all the women were holding diamonds as being housewives, like the logo was sunglasses. And now isn't the logo a diamond? Yeah. So I I don't know. I think she was just like paying homage to like the fact that they are on a show where they hold diamonds. Like it's funny. She got an ice sculpture. I thought it was cute and I was annoyed. Like my eyes rolled so many times when Kyle was like, isn't she like Miss Jeans and flip flops? I mean, she is. That's why there's a Sunday bar and not some freaking petty fours coming out or some tarts and stuff like that and things that they can't pronounce. It's still really regular. I mean, she just wanted to have a nice dinner party and it was catered. So don't even, and it just made me really roll my eyes because I'm like Kyle what are you even she's still being very true to herself but don't play like this isn't laid back enough and we literally watched you put away candles because they were too pedestrian (laughs) the whole thing is nuts but it was there was a lot of foreshadowing going on in this episode for what I think is going to happen you know season long so they're all talking about sexual experiences that they're having with women where Garcelle talked about how she had been with multiple women Erica Jane said she had been with a couple and Denise is not having a unicorn by the way it's called a unicorn to be with a couple yes when you date a couple it's called a unicorn Mm -hmm. interesting I don't know why that's so important that's just random information in case your listeners don't know If you date a couple, you're considered a unicorn. I just, it's such random stuff in my head, but I like to Google things. And I liked hearing them, you know, being about, you know, whatever, open about their sexuality. Of course, Denise is uncomfortable because her kids are there at like the kids' table. And it looks like. Were you shocked by that? Well, a little bit. So I also wonder if, like, it wasn't just the fact that it was her kids, but it was also her kids' friends that appeared to be there. There seemed to be a lot of kids, right? Yes. And they probably had to have their parents like sign forms to be there. And she probably had to say, oh, it's just, they're just going to be filming us, not the kids, it, you know, and make it sound like it wasn't going to be like a big deal. And then to have like this pretty intense, like sexually explicit conversation um, is probably not something that she bargained for, but it also sounds like she has gone overboard to try and protect her girls from knowing a lot about her and their father's kind of sexual and drug escapades. Yeah, I just kind of felt like, though, I, I went back and forth with this one because I know that we, to see Denise be squirmy about anything, especially something sexual, when her tagline is about happy endings, I was like, girl, what? So I was a little shocked by that. But then at the same time, 
I recognize that there, you know, parents are adults too. So they're allowed to have lives and experiences and stuff in and out of raising children. But also maybe they just don't want their kids to be surrounded by all of that stuff too. Like, like them make their, their own educated decisions and choices, you know, based on what is healthy for them and just not be, and not to mention, yeah, like you said, there are other kids that are not hers around. And so when these kids are like, mom, I was on the show, this is the episode I'm going to be on. And the parents like all sit down right, to see their exactly. kids just in the bathroom getting like tacos and Sundays. Then this is the conversation that it's about. They're going to be, you know, not the happiest with Denise and that reflects, you know, on our kids. And I think she never wants to put her daughter in a position that like maybe the friends can't come over anymore or like, you know, she's being blackballed at school, things like that. But, you know, at the same time, it is your tagline is still about happy endings. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I so the daughter's I'm, aware of some things. Right. They're not, you know, idiots. And then but it just seemed to foreshadow how uncomfortable she's going to be with the talk of her and Brandy's, you know, affair or whatever their exploit was. I feel like she's more upset that her kids are going to find out about it than the fact that it actually happened. And that's why she's probably going to lie. That just was sort of the, what I was feeling from that whole scene. Right. I would agree. And she keeps talking about, you know, how she is a happily married woman, a very married woman and things like that, which I can understand. I, I don't think that, you know, she wants to be, you know, wants her kids to think that she is any kind of like a cheater or anything like that. I don't think it has anything to do with the sexual nature of, of, you know, being with a woman or anything. I just think it has more chose to do with, you know, her ex-husband was very publicly unfaithful and, you know, inappropriate and reckless with his sexual, you know, exploitations. But the, she doesn't kind of want to have that energy. She's, she's the stable parent. So she wants to kind of keep that stability for her kids as well. But at the same time, I need every single franchise to stop with these lesbian gays. They have to stop. This is just not big enough yeah. news to me. They make such a huge deal. Like when Kyle was like, I haven't done, quote unquote, the lesbian thing. And I'm just like, Y'all, you got to understand the sexuality of spectrum. It's not this big of a deal. Calm down. Well, and then for them to like make fun of Kyle and Teddy sharing a bed was a weird thing too. You know, it just didn't seem I like, that. like why. I don't know. The whole thing was weird to me. I and mean, then... this is why Housewives <laughs> favor so poorly with uh, the rest of the LGBTQ spectrum that it's not just the G. Yeah, it's exactly. Because it's like, what are you doing? Like, stop this. It's not a big enough thing to be like, this is going to be a section at the reunion. I know. it's, <laughs> And so then we kind of get more into the Kyle versus Dorit. And, you know, she's Kyle's being really shady all dinner. Like she was saying that the Dorit, Barbie, you know, thing? the Barbie, Ooh. like fake Barbie comment. And, you know, and then it just basically Dorit says, hey, like, you know, you defend Teddy in a way that you don't defend anyone else. And of course, Kyle's upset because her quote unquote defending Dorit last season led to her and LVP's friendship falling apart. But really, you know, when she was talking to LVP, she wasn't saying she was standing up for for Dorit. She was saying she was standing up for the truth. So there's that. Yeah. Also, she was standing up for Dorit, quote unquote, because she knew that it would there was an agenda there. Everybody knows it. It's, it's, I'm not for it or against it. 
it's we, we're dealing with a season now with our LVP, so everybody got what they wanted, and it is a good season. And I'm a little shocked, so I'm not complaining about it. But there was an agenda. Kyle is only supportive and defensive of what serves her in that moment, and it's it seemed very attacky because even Teddy wasn't upset about it. And that's what Tariq mentioned. So why are you? And they're not going after Denise who came at seven o'clock at night and Dorit just came to, well, you were doing glam and I didn't get to do glam, but it's understood that a lot of y'all will get glam to film scenes. That is the point of the show. It's something that happens. And what is this thing about like the Instagram? Dorit's she has oh, a fashion. She posted line. on Instagram that photo of herself, like I think before she even showed up. At right. The, it was so funny that they were so upset about it, and then it just kind of keeps going with Kyle upset and kind of crying, and you know she even says, "Well, like I support all of you. I su- even like support Lisa Rinna." And Lisa Rinna was like, "Well, that's you know not always true. Like not when it's but against your bar- sister." Was that not like the shittiest thing to say? Like, I didn't support Rena. Like, what does that mean? Everything Kyle said at this dinner was shady. <laughs> Everything. Everything, because... everyone but Rena. And then there's a point where I don't know who was she talking to Garcelle? I couldn't tell who she was talking to when she was focused on, um, she was kind of making fun of Denise. Like, she called her a ragamuffin who never wears anything but a fucking mop top ponytail. What is going on with her? Like, I. <laughs> so confused at this energy i am very shocked i think that whatever control she thought she was going to have over the season it's just slipping from her so quickly that she kind of can't stand it or maybe she assumed all these loyalties or something and they're not really bowing to her or whatever i don't know what it is but there is just such an energy about kyle and she seems kind of uh, self-inflated importance for one like she threw herself a party for coming home from what doing a job like yeah I know yeah, I mean, and we all flew great. to New York for her fashion show which was okay fine but now it's like and she was just going on the attack about everybody and I love Dorit's answer when you know she called her a fake Barbie and she goes she in her confessional she goes well first of all thank you and like smooths the back of her hair and I was like I think I like this woman Oh, I've liked Dorit on the show for quite some time. I really... I'm new. I'm new here. She's interesting. I don't know what it is about her. I don't know if it's like the fact that her and Mm -hmm. her husband are probably con artists, but we're not entirely sure. (laughs) Like, I really do believe in their love, um, which I don't know why. Whatever it is, they're in it for the long haul. I'll give you that. Yeah. So they are interesting. One thing to note is that so after this episode aired, Denise actually went on Instagram and posted pictures of herself, like a lot of different magazine cover shoots. And she wrote, um, going down memory lane with this ragamuffin. <laughs> and then, you know what? It was oh, yes, so ahead, funny. And then response. Ugh. Kyle apologized, you know, and kind of made all of the excuses in the book about she was tired and she felt everyone was going after her and Denise is beautiful and she didn't mean she it like that. Kyle. But it's so it's such a like, why are you going after Denise Richards? Like, what is wrong with you? I don't know what it is, but there is something there. I mean, if we remember, you know, I just I keep bringing up this dinner party because it's so goddamn iconic at this point, And it just happened. Kyle is the one who asked Aaron what he does. Like she wanted him to explain and something about it told me um, she's had these questions or she's had this conversation or something with them and wanted it to be done on camera. 
And yes. because, you know, we never got to hear it or see it. It, because it's her dinner party and she was in control. She also was the one who kind of picked the order in which everyone went in this game of first impression that somehow it landed on Sutton going before Teddy. She also was the one who was like, here, why don't you just sit here next to Teddy when Sutton was so visibly upset about her and, and having anxiety of where to sit because there was no place cards. So I'm just like, how whatever it is that is going on, it seems like there is an agenda or something here but at the same in the same breath girl the best you could come up with was ragamuffin and you're over here like apologizing <laughs> all day I've long i've never heard that word ever so there's a couple of things it's something that people think you know that is very meant to be unruly kind of think you know annie from the, the movie annie or the the play annie uh oliver twist or the little rascals that they're very dirty and unkempt and i had a lot of people also be like what about the, there's also a section of later on after this word was invented, a section of dance hall and Jamaican culture that is uh, based off of reggae that is RAGA for short, um, R-A-G-G-A. And it has a lot to do with, you know, being more natural and the dreads and everything like that and, and can be seen as unkept if you are not aware of what that is. So some people took it as, well, some people are taking her apology, like she's over apologizing for it, as if she meant it in the insulting culturally way, not in the Oliver Twist way. And I don't really know where I fit because at the same time, why are you over apologizing for this word if you just meant that she looked had messy hair? It, it seems like a lot. Like she even said it in the confessional, maybe ragamuffin isn't the best word. And then she's been on Twitter defending it or apologizing for it for about two days. And I'm just like, Kelly Dodd would never do this. Like she doesn't, she says things that are off the cusp mean to Vicky and everybody. And, and she never walks never it back. Her apologize right. like this. No. So for you to apologize for just calling her, if you meant it truly is just unruly. So like, okay, y'all have been calling Denise that since she showed up in jeans the first night. I know, I know. Well, Speaking of unruly, shall we get into the ladies of New York? Oh, yeah. Those are some unruly people. They are some unruly <laughs> women. <laughs> I freaking am so obsessed with the Real Houses of New York. I love them. I love I can't I even love drink while cast. watching them anymore. I, I truly can't. I won't finish the drink, and I get very distracted, and it's just too, it's too much of a wild ride, and I, I, I love it. I love every minute. This is a perfect ensemble cast. Yeah, I've never seen something like this. This works so well. There is no direct star. There is no better, no worse person. Everyone shows up and really does their job. Like, a lot of people have been like, you know, oh, do you even miss Bethany? Or I don't even miss her. And I'm like, I don't think that it's a matter of if I miss her or not, because if she came back, she would still fit right in. I think that's the point, is that New York is just a room full of alphas. They're all great. They are amazing. So we get treated to seeing Dorinda take a walk down memory lane, uh, Mrs. <laughs> Medley's New York in the Upper East Side where she used to live with Richard. And they dine at a restaurant that her and Richard used to go to every Wednesday. And she's there with Ramona, Sonia, and Elise. And I just felt like it was like these women are all still caught up in their former lives. And it is it just makes for such compelling television. I mean, Ramona had the best 
most accurate feeling and response of all time. She literally goes, ever since she's been preparing Bluestone Manor, everything's been about Richard. Just Richard, Richard, Richard. She's all she can talk about is Richard. <laughs> it's like, but it's true. Like, she is very, very obsessed, right? Yeah, no, she is. In a way that doesn't feel very healthy. So, you know, we see them and then Elise is there. She's talking about Luann and if Luann is drinking and it's all kind of setting up for what's about to go down. And then Mm -hmm. Sonia is on this five day cleanse, which when is she not on a cleanse? She's not on a (laughs) cleanse like every time. And it's always so funny to me that she always does it mid season. Like you would think she would do this before the season started or something. And it's so funny that she's always doing it while the season is going. And she does it before she goes to Hamptons or something like that. She's just drinking smoothies. And we're like, first of all, Sonia, we need you to be drinking. Second of all, why now? And I know for a fact she's actually still quarantined at the last cleanse place she was Right. But I find that hilarious. Like only Sonia would get like locked in a resort in Mexico. Oh my gosh. I have no idea what's going on with her, but she is so funny. Like normally I get annoyed by people who do juice cleanses because it's just, there's no need. Like your colon cleanses itself and just feels so unnecessary. And it's just, you're starving Mm -hmm. yourself and then you yo-yo. But uh, what was super interesting is to see Luann meet up with Jacques, uh, her ex-boyfriend, who we were treated to seeing on a number of seasons back in the day. And I had no idea I they were him. so close. I know. But, I mean, leave it to Luann. She, but not to mention, I, she flirts with a fly. Like, she really does. And anything she does or says, oh, when it comes to these men, I can't imagine that they would ever lose their grip on her unless she let them or wanted them to. Because who, I mean, she, I don't know how she captivates all these men, but he just seemed so supportive, like such a good friend. I was surprised that she's so close to him when he's engaged to someone else. I mean, I'm not saying that, that you know, you can't remain friends with someone, but Luann just doesn't have um, just friend energy to me. No, she definitely doesn't. (laughs) And then she was like, I'm so happy for him that he's engaged. And then later they show his fiance. And she's like, we've met a couple of times. And then she's like, I'm so happy for you. Like, she's just. I mean, she was acting like they've known each other forever. Like, she set them up or something. Right. And then then she's like, so we've met a few times. (laughs) She's. Right. And then she proceeds to pretty much flirt with him and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> it's just Luann. I mean, she would literally flirt with the fly. It was so funny. He's, but so he, I didn't, I don't remember much about like his occupation, but it sounds like he sold wine and he was like basically telling her, hey, like, why don't you just try and have a glass of red wine? Like, just a glass, you know? And and she kind of looks right. at him and she's like, what about two? And you're like, oh, no, I know where the season is going. I know where the season also, is going. Also, this is how we got into this problem in the first place. This is how we got here, Luann. <laughs> she's just, she is, she is something else. But may I just, if I could just like quickly jump in and we can yeah. jump right back. It's funny that Jacques was like, well, why don't you just take like a glass of red wine as like, you know, to break the ice with yourself. So like pretty much so you don't beat yourself up too much, you know, when and if it does happen. And so that's a no, but then we get sips of vodka at the party because that is a much easier transition into drinking again. Just go right. straight for vodka. Just go straight. <laughs> Forget the wine. 
And you can tell this is something I feel like they've all been talking about off camera that like Luann, I don't, I never, I don't know if she's an alcoholic or not, but she doesn't seem to identify as one. And, you know, her friends don't really seem to identify her as one. Like she never seemed to really be out of hand except for when, you know, things happened, went south with Tom. But something would tell me that if you, if that's, I, I never buy that someone's major downfall is their first one. I think that it doesn't yeah. take, but I'm, that's the kind of learner that I am. I don't have to touch the iron to know what's hot. If you tell me it's hot, I will believe you that it's hot. So like, I don't think that, you know, getting arrested from assaulting or threatening a cop and slipping cuffs and being publicly intoxicated and stuff like that. That to me doesn't scream anyone's first time at this rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) Bethany has said things like, what about the time on the boat we were running around or drunk or something like that? So there is plenty of times. I think those times just weren't, uh, she didn't get any repercussions from it. So it didn't need any special attention. There's definitely an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, but right. But I mean, that's most of them. So I think that's the reason exactly. why they're not pushing for her to be an alcoholic. Cough, cough, Dorinda. <laughs> I know. Dorinda seems very, very interested in making sure that Luann drinks again. And I don't know if it's like Luann told her off camera, like, hey, I want to, you know, have a drink, but I'm not sure how to broach it or. I, I don't know. I can't tell how much of these women plan things off camera the way that on Vanderpump Rules they definitely do because they talk about yeah. it, right? So My... I don't know if these women just like live their lives and the cameras are there or if they really think about what they want to show. My guess is I think Dorinda might have increased her alcohol intake and because of such, she doesn't want to be labeled an alcoholic. So she's not going after Luann being one because she doesn't want to be labeled one herself. Because in the past seasons, Dorinda has surely come after Luann's drinking way more than it's like the complete reverse has taken place now. So I think it's because she doesn't want the same adjacent treatment. Right. No, you're definitely right. I think it's all projection and she, you know, take the heat off of her and put it on everyone else. That's what she's doing with Tinsley. You know, she's so frustrated with Tinsley and it's because she's frustrated with herself and her own relationship. Yep. Tinsley represents a version of her that she never got back, which is the ability to start over. Tinsley married well and that did not last. And she had a bit of a spiral, but she actually gets a chance to start over. She doesn't have any kids. She could possibly marry rich again one day. She can, you know, marry well. She has good money, things like that. Whereas Dorinda, I think, is struggling on so many of those fronts. But at this, at this stage in her life, I don't think she thinks she can completely start over. Though I argue if you have breath in your body, you can start over. Yeah, she can. She's just stuck mentally, you know? Right. So we see, so Tinsley breaks up with Bruce and her and Dale get together and Dale's pushing her to have kids again, which is just such a, I don't know, I'm over that storyline. I do like her and her mom's relationship, but I wish it wasn't always focused on talking about like her getting married or having kids. Like, I don't know. I, I kind There's of There's a just, lot of expectations yeah. in their relationship. Yeah, I was more interested in her opening up to her mom about how Dorinda is kind of not bullying her, but, you know, giving her a really hard time and how she wants to stand up for herself. Like, that was interesting to me, you know? And her I mean, mom was it like, It kind of is yeah. bullying a little bit. And yeah, I can't it's... admit it's for what Dorinda is doing. And I don't like to use that word lightly, 
But for what Dorinda is doing, it does seem like that. I mean, she's coming after her with things that are not true. She keeps saying things like, I didn't have to sleep on my back to get these shoes. I'm like, Why girl, you, you do that? know she has money, right? Like, she had money. That's always been the point. Not to mention, Dorinda, you're both on the same show. You both are getting a salary. You too can get these shoes if you want them to. The whole thing is so weird. It's very weird. Yeah, Dorinda, something is off with her this entire season. Like, something is just off. I can feel it. She doesn't, you know, she feels dark, and she's projecting. It does feel very dark. I don't think her edit is going to be really good this year. I think we knew that something was going to be, you know, off with her editing when um, they showed in the trailer for the entire season her slurring her words and carrying that big glass of wine. Like, let's just, I think after watching it a million times, I believe she's saying, let's just each have one glass of wine tonight. And then that big one is the one glass. But the thing was, she kind of was already, I guess, starting on the glasses. So <laughs> it gets a little slurred around. Um, and I can't believe it's coming next, next week. It's already here. I feel like New York is moving way faster than I thought. It is. It's someone pointed out that like the last few weeks that we've been watching New York has only taken place over two weeks in real life. Right. Whereas yeah. the first few episodes of Beverly Hills took place over seven or eight weeks. I mean, may I just remind everyone that the Hamptons madhouse was one party one day. <laughs> they never know. left the house. The whole episode, they never left the house. We just got them for like eight hours and it was all glorious. Not to mention with Beverly Hills, they cut, they shaved a lot of the season. I mean, we started in New York for Fashion Week and that was not at the beginning of their season filming. That was towards the middle. It's so interesting. If Did they just not get enough good stuff and then... Yeah, I have a theory that they really did sit these women down and were like, listen, we have nothing for Beverly Hills. Like, we have nothing. So either step it up or uh, we don't know until you're probably going to end up being canceled. Because Erica, it seemed like a switch flipped with her. And we started so late. We started at, we started in the drama because I guess it's just going to keep going and spiraling enough. But if that means that much happened post the middle of the season filming, then it was probably nothing to begin with. And we heard that, like we heard those rumors. Mm-hmm. Yep. But now we're seeing something totally different, and I'm I'm really happy. I think a lot of it has to do with Bravo, if not Bravo, then each production company because they're all different. Yeah, for a Evolution lot of is the one that produces right. Beverly Hills. So for Evolution, I think that they are just like you know what what we're going to do is they're abandoning this fourth wall, and I'm so here for it. I am very much so impressed with them not pretending anymore. I hate it. Like I've had conversations with um, a particular housewife before who has been like, when they are new, they are encouraged to say on camera that they've never watched the show. They don't know what this thing is, or they haven't heard of this song before, AKA Leah not hearing Giovanni before. They're kind of encouraged to seem so new so that it can be a problem on camera later and i really hate that like no one buys that you take a job you did not research nobody buys that you don't do it in real life so we don't believe you did it for tv when your whole family is signing up to do it and you're contractually obligated to say everything on it so i hate that bs and i love that on beverly hills they're finally abandoning this fourth wall i mean it's now no secret to people, and I don't think people ever really knew this, that when Denise is yelling like, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo, 
That is something that Housewives have done in the past to get the entire scene cut. It makes producers pretty much stop filming that moment. And it's the reason why those fights and stuff can seem like they escalate so quickly. Like Tamara and Nikki are now screaming when it wasn't, they weren't screaming before. It's because they have to restart the entire conversation because they had to cut that whole thing out. But for us to see like Denise trying it and they're not cutting it out or things like Dorit and PK putting mints in their mouth because they really think that that means production won't use the audio because of the mint clicking. But production's like, we will put subtitles up if we have to, but we're keeping it. Yeah. Like they're letting it all hang out and it's, helping that's the reason why people like new york they literally let it all hang out they ran around naked for 20 minutes oh new york and you know who's getting an interesting edit this season is ramona i feel like she's getting a more maternal edit a more really thoughtful i mean well that's maybe it was just that scene with her and leah on the way to Luann's event where Leah opens up to Ramona about her problems with her mom and her mom's not speaking to her. And Ramona is like, stop texting her. People hide behind texts. You need to show up with her favorite flowers, show up in person. These kinds of conversations are difficult. She's doing this because she loves you. She's afraid for you. I was like, Ramona, like, yeah, she just you're right. You're right. I liked a that. Bit and... more, slightly more self-aware, or um, mm-hmm. we're seeing like the good sides of her, of why or empathetic people... at, yes. at the very least. Which we never women, saw. She's finally supporting other women. It's always been funny because she would always say that. It's like her quote, like her biggest quote and line ever is, you know, women supporting women, and she's all about women support and all that stuff. But we don't always get to see it from her, and this felt actually like her supporting other women. Yeah, she didn't seem to be as aware of the cameras, or I don't know. I really, I appreciated it. Um, I liked it. So then we get to this. I don't even know what to call it. It was Louis anti-bullying fundraiser with podcaster okay. Chanel in the city, but it also uh-huh. was raising money for the formerly incarcerated. And it was a comedy uh-huh. show. <laughs> and a comedy show with Jack, but then also like a live podcast panel um, and then a slide. It was, so the slide, I think was, so the venue I feel like they've shot things there before. They didn't show the slide before, but I think that venue in New York City is also where they shot some summer house stuff, like uh, where Hannah and Luke had a date. Ah, well, I mean, I've heard that, you know, there's only so many places they can get permits. Like, there's just, it's something that ends up having to happen. There's only so many different places you can get a permit for. Even in a big city like New York, I mean, you know, space and time and all that stuff is heavily taken into effect. And as someone who um, I went to, like I I did a a bonus podcast about Monique's live podcast filming that I went to for the show, Housewives of Potomac, the amount of work it takes just to get into the damn place because of the podcast, I mean, because of the show, I can understand why they would just recycle it. It's probably just easier in a lot of ways to, especially in something that is as small and I mean, as crowded as New York. Yeah, no, that <laughs> that definitely is true. But it was just the whole event was hilarious. 
also like it I mean, was just, a hot mess it was I'm a sorry. hot mess we see all these podcasters some of whom I recognized you know and none of these women from New York are interested in listening Jacques jokes didn't really make sense because people didn't understand his accent and but then there's that subtitles there's that amazing montage of in the beginning when Jacques asked Ramona and Dorinda like have you ever bullied anyone and then they show like these pieces that was of fantastic incredible editing and then Dorinda Ramona's has the nerve, alone. like, but like Dorinda has the nerve to be like, no, I was the kid that stood up to the bullies. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> oh my well, god! And they show that right after they show her just being like, oh, three weeks ago, like you just went after Tinsley, okay? Like what? And I laugh at Ramona. It's like I forgot how bad she was. Like I really did. I know it. <laughs> she that scene. Um with her and Bethany on the, the, bridge. the bridge, the Brooklyn oh bridge, my God, the Brooklyn bridge. And she's like, no one's in your life. Like no one wants, you don't have any friends in your me. You have me have Jason. You'll fuck that up. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like you are cruel. <laughs> that was the meanest thing someone could ever say. And that's my point. I mean, like for Kyle to be apologizing so profusely over ragamuffin. I mean, Ramona, her response to that at the reunion was, listen, I'm a work in progress, okay? <laughs> That's such a, that is such a good Ramona. <laughs> Thank you. I practice it a lot because she's so easily quotable. Like, you have to. Her inflection is so unusual. It's just... It is, and, but natural. Like, it's not like Dorit's is like, such a fake accent. Like, Ramona's is so specific to Ramona. Yeah. No, definitely. So then we get to the part where Luann drinks a couple sips of a vodka soda and everyone sort of celebrates like, hey, now you've drank and now you can kind of go on with your life and not worry about like how long it's going to be before you drink. You know, um, it the whole thing was just a bit weird. I felt like Dorinda was pushing it so hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Elise, who, oh, she's got a bad backstory. That Elise. And is she supposed to be a friend of this season? Yeah, so she's, like, a little different than Sutton. Like, Sutton was casted as a full-time housewife. Her ex-husband would not let her film the kids really late, late, late last minute, no matter what she did. So she kind of had to get demoted. But they already spent the time and all this footage, so they had to use it. Whereas Elise was casted as a legitimate friend of. She wasn't a Barbara Kay who also got demoted halfway through season, like, through filming last year. She, like, was just supposed to be a friend of and didn't even have social media or anything beforehand. She's so fresh, like, to this scene, but she's so well-known, like, in 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 infamy. Um, but she's, I don't, I, when I finally heard her talk on the show in her confessional, a lot of me was like, okay, I'm glad she didn't get the full-time role because I don't think we would have wanted it. And I think Sonia has said recently that she it was too much to film with her, even though she wasn't even always there. Like none of the ladies wanted to do it either. Right. It just wasn't as natural. They didn't, they didn't Mm -hmm. like her. So, um, and then the whole thing happens with Dorinda suggesting that Tinsley and her and Leah should get lunch uh, with Leah sort of acting as a mediator. And uh, Tinsley does not like this idea. She's tired of having people speak for her. She wants to speak for herself. And I totally get where she's coming from. But that fight just wouldn't end between her and Dorinda and yelling back and forth and then jumping down those slides. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah, it was just very 
I really want to know what Dorinda hears. I am so curious. Like, what is Dorinda's sign? What does she hear when people talk? Because when, you know, Leah said, you're intimidating, she heard so Tinsley's scared of me. I'm like, who said that? That's not at all what we just were talking about. That's not at all what Leah even said. Leah was speaking in general more so about her experience with you that you are intimidating and you're taking it as like that Tinsley is so afraid of you, but you're the one that suggested there be a third body there anyway. Like that was your decision. Tinsley didn't say that at all. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think she's just really drunk and doesn't know what people are saying and just hears things the way that she wants to, the way that Sonia sometimes hears things, but it's very obvious when Sonia's drunk. And sometimes with Dorinda, I feel like she's like consistently drunk. And then sometimes she's just blackout. Yes, that's exactly what happened. And she came down the slide saying that she had two shots of tequila and started basically being so giddy about it. So, I mean, she wasn't signed on anytime soon. Did you think that Leah was so, it was, a little eager to you to be the mediator because I got a little bit of eager vibes a little bit but it also does seem sort of natural to tr- to put her in I don't know I mean right Dorinda thinks that Leah has accessed Tinsley in a way that she's never been able to but Tinsley's point is okay then maybe it's because you haven't tried like, you've been judging me you say you want to get to know me and all these things like why are we not having a conversation by ourselves And I think she just wanted to make sure that she didn't come off as being, you know, too harsh or something, or it'd become a fight. If Leah's there, that may not happen. But separately, I did, I felt a very eager vibe that Leah was like, I want to be the mediator, let me do it, which I kind of get. I've been like that before when I'm like, I just want to really hear what my friends are going to fight about. But also, I want to make sure we all stay friends by the end. Thanks. No, totally. Well, it was. A, I thought it was, you know, like an okay episode of New York, but an okay episode of New York is equal to like an amazing episode other places. So I will I mean, take I it. New York is really good at that. They have really good solid seasons. It doesn't have to be a major plot. I think this happened last season too and the season before that. I wasn't riveted by like there was no climactic era of the season, but it's consistently good. I don't find myself on my phone a whole lot of times. I even forget to take notes sometimes from my own podcast, and that's good TV. Like, whereas Beverly Hills kind of had to come out dynamite and had to come out swinging, or else what will we have? Exactly. And you've given up on Vanderpump Rules, right? I have. I have given up completely. Uh, It's just, it was a really hard decision. I have basically forced people to watch up until this season because I was so in love with it from season one. I've rewatched it three times. And it's just this season, some people are saying it's boring. I got off before it even got boring. I couldn't deal with the Jackson Britain. I found myself basically fast forwarding a lot and I was tired of watching TV that I didn't want to watch. It was very upsetting. And I'm like, I don't want to watch things that make me angry. Yeah. Well, we, so you obviously didn't see this week's Vanderpump Rules, but we see some of the issues going on with Jax and he seems to be very unhinged for like a period of days where he's, um, yeah, it's very, yeah, I know. Right. But he, we, we (laughs) see him after all of this, him and Brittany talking and she's kind of crying and he's like, well, I don't take it out on you. And she's like, you kind of are. And then he goes into this kind of explanation, which makes a little bit of sense. So in the past, he said that, um, especially after his dad died, 
um, he wanted to drink and do drugs and all kinds of stuff and that he found more healing with smoking pot. And that was something that he did to like be clean, uh, quote unquote clean, like off of other stuff. Well, he talked mm-hmm. about how when he smokes pot, he'll gain like 20 pounds and then he'll quote unquote have to go back on Adderall to lose the weight. And it's um, a really bad cycle that he Yes, that is through. how we lose weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but That's he said it yes. out loud on camera. And I hadn't kind of, I've always like thought all of this. And, you know, Stasi has said stuff about Adderall. Everyone's talked about James and uppers. You know, but this was the first time that we really saw him talking about it. And he just goes off with rage texting Sandoval and Max at some point and then apologizes them and says, I call it having an episode. So I'm like, interesting. Like, is this a manic episode? Is this an episode of like rage from your Adderall? Like, it was just kind of like a little bit was uncovered where um, they kind of were actually talking Mm -hmm. about the issue and I wonder if he's angry that the rest of the cast uses Adderall but none of them get in trouble for it or something because he keeps going on and on about how you're all lying and I'm the only one telling the truth and everyone's a liar and well Stassi's talked about it before off camera about you know her having had troubles with Adderall and stuff before too and uh James as we know like that that famous reunion where Tom was the only person sticking up for him but he was like you know, it's when you mix the drinking with the uppers and, you know, James was like, well, I used to take Adderall, but he meant something else. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of alluding to things that, and, you know, there's plenty of people who have speculated in a lot of conspiracy theories that the whole, it's not about the pasta thing is not about pasta. It's oh, yeah, about, it's about drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then there's no one on the entire planet that has not guessed before or thought or wondered or were concerned that Jax has participated in these illicit substances. So I understand where that's happening, but I also feel there's still a, a higher or um, in a holier than thou essence to even this conversation. Because again, they gave James so much shit if this is really what we're dealing with his quote-unquote episodes they wanted to vilify him for and if anything i felt like their arguments were you're the only one we're all doing the same things basically but you're the only one that's flying off the handle so much and gonna get us in trouble that's what it felt like but now it's like no y'all let jacks get away with the same thing I know. It was very weird. And then there was this very odd thing about a sex tape that Kristen had with a different guy and Carter saw it. And did it happen four weeks ago or did it happen four years ago? And Jax just like is trying to expose Kristen. And she's like, why are you obsessed with this? Don't talk about this right now. Like we're at my event. So that whole thing was just so bizarre. But, you know, I I hear you. I It sounds like you also were really upset about how um, he was treating Ariana and that's something that yeah. I feel like all of them for whatever reason like Lala has gotten in on it she'll you know bitch about Ariana like only wanted to befriend her when she's down not when she's up and I don't know the whole cast I mean some of them seem to have issues with Tom and Ariana and I can't quite figure out why it seems very ridiculous to me I just think that 
they all feel like, you know, if we don't get help for our mental health issues, why do you get a pass for having mental health issues? It was the exact same thing that they said about James. They were like, you know, Lisa, why does he get to show his family and helping his family? Because like, he's helping a lot of people. And they're like, well, we all help our families. Where's our right. good at it? And I'm like, y'all are so self-absorbed sometimes. I, I pretty much got off the ride because I had a very visceral reaction to Ariana basically saying that she has had a lot of suicidal thoughts and is feeling very depressed. And the answer was, well, why didn't you tell us? And then making it about them again. And then Lisa's answer was, why don't you become a bartender at Sir? And I am like, is no one going to push therapy or maybe some self-help or maybe getting yourself out of a group for a minute? Like no one's going to do anything constructive with suicide that it really like that seems so dangerous and to hear and i've seen people even tweet now they're like i love how we got ariana's mental health issues for literally two episodes and then we pretty much never visited it again i'm like it's not a storyline to me some of these things are not storylines and if this is all they're offering it literally to me it's time to pull the plug because yeah the show is now really high maintenance it feels really hard to make and it feels really hard for people to watch. And there, there's so many things sorted that they're all doing just to stay on the show. Pull it. Like, it's not worth it, especially if it's not good content. It also just feels like the OGs are really resistant to the new cast. And it's you can see it. You know, the only one that's Ooh. engaging is Sheena. Like, they never film with each other. It's almost like they refuse to, like, go to and events together. And and I feel like they didn't want the show to change its format. And Evolution added new cast members. And I feel like a lot of the older cast members didn't really want that to happen. Like, we have I a good thing going. I think they saw it as their sign on the their, their writing on the wall that their show is probably going to end. I think that, if anything... I mean, everyone said that they want a spinoff, right? Like, it's a thing. People are like, maybe we should spin off the cast and that these older people should go off and have babies and live in the valley and all that stuff. And then they keep Vanderpump Rules, Vanderpump Rules, which is just desperate restaurant workers who really want fame and are really pretty to look at, which I think I would agree. But, you know, that means them giving up something that is so sure for them. This older cast, this OG cast, have to give up a short fire platform. And they can't do that yet. And I understand that. We have no market for this new spinoff show of theirs. But they also don't work at the restaurants like that anymore. And they're, it's not believable. They're not under Vanderpump rules anymore. So it feels like there was, it feels like two shows at one time and we just don't have time for it. There's like 20,000 people on this show. How are we going to do a Zoom reunion? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they filmed it. So we're going to get one. I'm going to watch that. I am going to watch that. Yeah, I think the reunion, I hope it's multiple episodes. I hope it's not just like one, you know? Oh, I doubt it will just be one. They would never get to everything. I mean, they still have to talk about Max's comments from the past on Twitter. Well, we'll see if they actually address Max and Brett that (laughs) way, because I could see them just pretending like that never happened. You know, right. Hopefully it's been enough time that we forget about it. Well, actually, Lala made a really interesting point on her podcast, you know, multiple weeks ago when she was very frustrated with Ariana. And she I did agree with her. She said, you know, you're throwing all this, you know, you're very frustrated with Jackson Brittany about their pastor. Um, you know, maybe rightfully so. But then, like, you're also friends with Max, who made these like horrible comments 
you know so like where that's a good point like are you responsible and kind of basically saying that like just because the pastor's comments were bad doesn't mean you should hold britney and jack's responsible for that man's comments whereas like yeah you know ariana like i'm not going to hold you responsible for max's comments just because you're friends with him like he's the one that made them and i thought that was the one that made him so they felt sort of like, you know, Tom and Ariana sort of have this holier than thou where they ch- pick and choose who's right and wrong and who can be forgiven and who can't be forgiven. And that all this stuff comes out about Max and Brett, who are their friends, especially Max, you know. And so I thought yeah. that was and they don't want to be point. seen. Yeah, they don't want to be held to the fire for what their friends do, which, exactly. of course, is, is, is was pretty in Jackson's argument. They don't want to be held to the fire for what their pastor says. But also, like, I mean, I really hate the typecast, but are we? should we really feel so much shock and outrage for what a pastor in Kentucky said? <laughs> I am sorry. I know there's a vibrant gay community in Kentucky. I've been reminded of that many times. I'm just saying... If I'm not surprised, and I doubt they were either. No, I know, but I, I guess maybe just because. Well, we don't have to go into the Kentucky. I mean, we were all. more shocked about <laughs> about Max and Brett. We were more that was yes. more shocking. That has been something that we can actually, you know, get to the bottom of versus like how dare they keep the. And I was not saying that Ariana and Tom's argument about the pastor were wrong. I agreed with them up until I found out that they were still friends with Max. I'm like, keep the same energy. It's the same energy. Right. And so, and, and, and so are people allowed to be forgiven? Like, you know, and, and would the, could the pastor be forgiven? You know, if you forgave Max, like, I don't know. So it's just, the whole thing is just very... But they're not even asking to forgive the pastor. They're asking to forgive Jackson Brittany. Right. They didn't even say it, but they are your friends. You can be mad at them for a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, um, your podcast and on social media? You've got great social media. (laughs) Thank you so much. I mean, if you want to hear more of me ranting and talking about absolutely nothing... And going nowhere with it, you can find me on anywhere you listen to this podcast uh, by searching Mixing with Moni and on Instagram and Twitter at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Thank you so much. I can't wait to get your thoughts on the Atlanta reunion when it finally. Yeah, whenever we get it. Whenever we get it. I think it's in two weeks from now. But I'm not entirely I sure. Think, I, I thought it was this week. I Every time I check, I'm not sure. I it's thought, something different. Yeah, I thought it was going to be on the 17th now, which would be, I guess, next week. But Let me check Bravo's thought, Instagram because they tweeted it. Right. I thought, you know, we could have you on this week. We could talk about Atlanta because I love your thoughts on Atlanta. And I definitely need to get you on to talk about Potomac because I cannot wait for the Real Housewives of Potomac season five. Whenever it happens, I am so there. I'm ready. It does seem like part one is the 10th, according to Bravo and my DVR. And then it's part two, that's the 17th. And part three is the 24th. Three parts on Zoom. That's great. Wow. Okay. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Zoom I am too. Yeah. I love this. This little, like, you know, Resunion, Zoomian or something. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on. And thank you for having me. We will need to chat again soon. Take care, Imani. 
I am back to share my thoughts on the Summer House season finale and reunion, which I didn't get a chance to watch before I was talking with Moni, but have since watched. And man, if you have not watched Summer House season four, I highly recommend going back and watching, maybe even going back and starting with season three. It was just such a fun season, such a kind of more lighthearted show. The drama isn't as dark or as deep, and I just have so much fun watching it. So the season finale starts where you saw last week finish off with Paige just screaming at Lindsay for trying to create a rift between her and Hannah. And I it was really fun seeing Paige kind of fly off the handle but I'm not sure how much of it was justified. I do think Hannah um, was telling Lindsay some different things about her and Luke than she was telling her friends Amanda and Paige, which probably is what led to this, but you know, it made for really good TV. So Kyle and Amanda finally set a wedding date and they are so excited. So all of the ladies get together to celebrate with Amanda and the guys get together to celebrate with Kyle. And they have sort of a a mini bachelorette party. They go to dinner, have some frosé. At dinner, there's this sort of awkward moment where Paige starts crying over how happy she is that Amanda and Kyle have set a date for their wedding and they're crying because of how happy they are. And it really reminded me sort of of a moment between like Tinsley and Dale crying, just totally unnecessarily out of the blue, where each other is kind of feasting on the other's emotions. And obviously, Hannah feels a little bit left out and they joke about how Um, Amanda and Paige got so much closer because Hannah spent a lot of her time this summer with Luke. Now, Hannah reveals at this dinner that Luke invited her to spend a week in Minnesota with his family after the summer wraps up, and she agreed. Now, everyone is jumping on this and saying, well, that means that you're his girlfriend if you meet his family and you go to Minnesota, and they don't really seem happy for her, and there's just a lot of judgment going on. So Hannah's obviously not that happy with it. They then end up going on a party bus with a male exotic dancer and having a great time, but probably drinking too much before heading home to see the guys. Now, the guys stay at home and they tell Kyle that they got a stripper and a more middle-aged woman walks in and Kyle seems uncomfortable with the whole thing, but then she says she's just a tarot card reader and she proceeds to read the cards of Kyle, Carl, and Luke. And she seems pretty good at what she does. She tells Kyle that him and Amanda really don't know what they're getting into with marriage, but that they should focus on things that they really like to do together and things that bond them. Um, She really kind of calls out Carl for self-sabotage and kind of always wanting to have fun and not really address any of his root issues. And she tells Luke that he is rather magical and lucky and things just sort of work out for him. This leads the guys to kind of have a cry fest, especially Carl, who really seems like he's struggling with a lot of things that he's not sharing as openly on camera. And when the girls get back, the guys tell them, oh, we had this tarot card reader and we had a cry fest. And Amanda's like, well, what made you guys cry? And Luke says, oh, that's between us. 
and Amanda completely loses her mind. Her level of hate for Luke appears very irrational. She's not able to explain it. She says that he always cuts off and shuts down every conversation, but he only really appears to do that with Amanda, who treats him pretty poorly. He doesn't really seem to do that with other people in the house. So that whole thing was crazy, and she like goes into the kitchen and takes this like empty kind of thing of lover boy and like smacks it and runs upstairs crying and she's like I hate him so much the next day she apologizes to Luke for her crazy behavior and he accepts but he knows that she's really just too immature to really actually apologize and mean it so they end up having this rave type party which kind of looked like a like Hampton's version of Burning Man. Like their outfits were out of this world, but they didn't have to deal with any, uh, you know, dust storms. <laughs> um, they seem to have a pretty good time um, at the party. You know, Lindsay's boyfriend is there and she seems really happy with him. Carl is making out with a Danielle. It doesn't seem to upset Lindsay, but it seems to kind of irk Jules, who had hooked up with Carl the night before. And Carl just talks to Danielle about how and tells Jules also that like him and Danielle actually dated and they had a real relationship and she's really full of depth. It's not it is fun, but it's not just fun. And I don't know, the whole thing is just kind of weird. So the season really ends with this party and we don't really see kind of what happened afterwards with Luke and Hannah or between Paige, Amanda and Hannah or between Lindsay and Paige. Um, But we do get treated to a Zoom reunion that was very fascinating. So right off the bat, Andy is grilling Kyle and Amanda about their relationship and how, from a viewer's point of view, they don't seem to really enjoy spending time together. And Kyle actually says, you know, that quarantine, quarantining with Amanda, he wouldn't wish on anyone. And I think what he was trying to say that it is difficult to live with someone, to be in a relationship with someone, and to be in business with someone and not be able to really see anyone else. So like there's no difference between work and fun with them because they live together and they work together and they're in a relationship together. He's just not very articulate at explaining it. And I mean, anyone could see a mile away that it wasn't going to be that great having, it's really hard to work with your partner in business that is also your partner in life. It's not an easy thing. And it's not like they have the most stable relationship to back it up. So everyone's kind of like, okay. (laughs) And then Carl, interestingly enough, says that um, since the beginning of quarantine, he's been sober and has um, entered some sort of treatment program for alcohol, and he is addressing and dealing with his alcohol addiction head-on. We kind of saw towards the end of the season, and I wonder if he was watching it back, able to kind of see it differently as well, that he was having difficulty maintaining the, like, parts of his job that he was supposed to do and his duties because he was getting drunk all the time and showing up to work events drunk. And while they do sell a alcoholic tea, that doesn't mean he has to partake when trying to do the sales. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting. It kind of almost absolved him of having to answer for a lot of his behavior because he basically just said, I have a drinking problem and I have a problem with accountability and I am trying to handle all of this head on. 
So everyone seemed to be really happy for him for that. We do find out that off camera, Jules and Luke got into a fight in a car and Jules, like, I guess, hit Luke in the face. And I believe she apologized at the time, but Luke has definitely not really gotten over it. And that kind of came up and everyone looked a little uncomfortable because it was clearly something that happened off camera. And now it's being discussed at the reunion. It was kind of over, I guess, Jules flirting with his friends or claiming she was going to sleep with one of his friends and then didn't. And he made a comment about like, well, you acted like you were going to and then you didn't. And she felt that was misogynistic. And I have no idea what actually happened, but it's definitely not okay to like hurt someone (laughs) physically. Also, interestingly enough, everyone sort of apologizes to Jules for not being that kind to her and really accepting her into the group. A lot of them judged her based on her relationship with Jordan and um, admit that they should have treated her better, including Hannah, who really did feel bad watching some scenes back. Then we get into the Hannah and Luke of it all. And it turns out that she never really ended up going to Minnesota to be with Luke and meet his family, that he acted like she was his girlfriend, but they never slept together. And that started to weird her out because he would sleep with other people, but then treat her as his girlfriend and do, you know, relationship type things uh, with her. And that pissed off both Hannah and definitely Paige and Amanda, you know, who had been wary of him from the beginning. It also sounds like watching the season back was very frustrating for Hannah and that her and Luke got into a couple of arguments and she went for a period without speaking to him kind of while re-watching the season, which she gets into more on Bravo's Daily Dish podcast. So right now where they stand is they love each other, but they are not in love with each other and think that they would just be much better as friends. Now, as for a season five, we have no idea if Summer House is going to actually go ahead and film this summer, but I believe that Carl and Lindsay had talked in an interview about a potential quarantine summer house where they don't really leave and go back, but actually just stay at the house pretty much all summer. So that would be really interesting if that's something that Bravo is willing to do. Hope all of you are doing okay, you are staying safe and healthy, and I will talk to you next week. into yoga or pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me either way you know being flexible is key to doing what you love that's why smoothie king created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type 2 collagen make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health so try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale order online today for pickup or delivery smoothie king rule the day me, 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 but also you. 
the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.